This is Building on the Solid Rock with Pastor Troy Neely of Calvary Chapel, Solid Rock. Let every family find faith in the Father's love. This is where it begins. This is our cry, this is our song, Jesus the way. We find our life in Him. In the Roman Empire, to be a friend of the king meant that you could come to the king without the normal complaint about boundaries or or laws or governmental issues or anything like that. You could actually come with your own heart and bring it before the king. He would listen, give you counsel, even help if necessary. That was to be a friend of the king. What a privileged place. Well, that's what it means to be a friend of Jesus. See, we can come to him with things that seem almost meaningless meaningless and he cares we don't have to come with him with just legal issues we come with everything that burdens our heart and he will help imagine you were friends with the president of the united states you have meals together go on vacations and you have direct access to the white house think of all the special perks and benefits you'd have As Pastor Troy teaches us today, as Christians, we have direct access to someone infinitely greater than the president, Jesus. The king of the universe actually calls us his friends. Spend time with Jesus today and bring all your worries and concerns to him. He loves you and cares about you. Now, here's Pastor Troy in the book of John chapter 15 as he continues his message, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. In picking his friends, we can see his position to do so, his election, but we also see his affection, his love. Think about it. God knew all about you, everything about you, and yet he still chose you. He chose you. He knew all about your weaknesses, your mistakes, your habits, your failures, what you'd be going through, how you would cry out, how often you would cry out, and yet he chose you with all of his heart anyway. He knows you. And guess what? He's not discouraged because of you. He's not disappointed. He knows all things. If anything, he feels for you because he knows you're up against something that if he didn't intervene, you'd be toast. He feels for you. That's why for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that who would ever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Why? You cannot do this. You need him. So if anything, he feels for you and he knows with all the cracks that you have, he knows exactly what he has for you. In the 1500s, a massive block of marble was taken to Florence, Italy, where many of the master artists lived or where they would go to purchase something like a big, massive block of marble to sculpt. Artists would pass by this one massive block and reject it because it had flaws that limited what could be done with it. They noticed that there was a little crack that kind of limited it. If you started chipping and chiseling in this certain area, it was just going to destroy the whole thing. And so they said, we don't want this. Even the great sculptor Donatello saw it and refused it because it had a big crack in it. And then one artist saw the large piece of marble, the flaw, and he had a vision for it. The crack didn't keep him away. The crack gave him vision. For this particular piece, 
The artist's name was Michelangelo. For two years, he worked on, chiseled away at this flawed block of marble and brought forth what has been called his greatest work ever, the Statue of David, which still stands and attracts art lovers from all over the world to the courtyards of Florence, Italy. God's got to work. God cares. And though you have lots of flaws and cracks, you're really, guys, we are really just a cracked slab. And God can look in that slab and see, just like Michelangelo. Michelangelo said of this slab, there's an angel inside and I must set it free. God can see that. Cracked and imperfect, but God sees the work of art that he can create from it. He has vision for your life. And he doesn't see the flaw, but he sees the finished product. And see, that's why he has such an affection for you. Because of what he sees, you're going to become what you're going to be, not because of necessarily what you were, the cracks. He sees what you're going to be. And he's going to continue to work on you. And he promises to finish that work. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Hey, that's for his friends. That's for those he's elected, those he's chosen. So his position, his election, his affection, all of these we can see in his choosing. He has a vision for what you will be in his hands, which leads us to the fourth thing that we see as He chooses friends, and that is his intention, his intention. See, God has a purpose for your life, not just to take you to heaven either. Get saved, let's go to heaven. That's what it's all about. He's got more for you. He wants to use you here. He's going to be molding and shaping you here. Verse 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and what? Appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Those he chose and has befriended, he has appointed and ensured, as the Father is the one who tends, remember, that there will be fruit. You see, you are chosen for salvation based on his foreknowledge. He knew about you all along, who you would be, who you really are. And he appointed you for good works. It's the vision of the artist, those good works. So first comes salvation, and then we grow into service and it shapes up as he begins to shape us up we go out and we share the good news with the world and what we become as his friends and those he is molding and shaping and those of us who are maturing is we become a witness of the good news and we amaze the world at what god can do with a broken slab god has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise the cracked slabs to confound those who think they're all that or that they don't need him. All this so that others can see the rope. Those that God already knows about, he's calling to himself. They can say, yes, Lord, I hear. And they can return to the one they've been lost from. And then they can be saved, sanctified, and sent just like all of his other friends. So Jesus picks his friends. We can see his position in this, his election, his affection, and his intention. Second, Jesus helps his friends. Now, that's good news because if he picks you as his friend, you're going to need all the help you can get. So what kind of help does he give to those who are his friends? Well, first, we just talked about it. He saves you. 
Can't do that ourselves. He saves you. Verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Yes, the cross represents the fact that he paid the price. Fact. He paid the price for your sin so that you could go to heaven. That's just plain facts. To tell us die. It is finished. The price is paid. But it's not just about facts, man. He loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave. See, what motivated him to pay the price was his love. See, he didn't just choose you to be his friend. He did everything to open up the way so that you could be his friend. So he saves you. The second way he helps us is he informs you. He informs you. God speaks to us, you know. He lets you in on His plan, what's going on, on all the details. There's a lot more I wish he would tell me, but he doesn't. But I've got a good idea of the plan at large, and it helps me. It helps me understand a lot of the whys. Verse 15 says this, Jesus speaking, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. In ancient times, well, I guess in any time, A servant just did what they were told. They didn't get explanation. They didn't get inside information. That was their role. That was their responsibility. That was their job. You do what you're told. In fact, at certain levels, even those who are paid, hey, you don't get to get on command decisions. Here's your job. Here's your task. Do it. You don't get privileged information. You are at this level, and so you do it. Well, what Jesus is saying, I treat you better than that. I treat you with more privilege. I could just say, I'm God, just do it. But I have told you what's going on. I've given you great explanation about now, before, how it all began, where we're going. And so when I say these troubles, when I say do these things, I've told you where we're going, what direction. I let you in on the plan. In the Roman Empire, to be a friend of the king meant that you could come to the king without the normal complaint about boundaries or or laws or governmental issues or anything like that, you could actually come with your own heart and bring it before the king. and He would listen, give you counsel, even help if necessary. That was to be a friend of the king. What a privileged place. Well, that's what it means to be a friend of Jesus. See, we can come to him with things that seem almost menial, meaningless, and he cares. We don't have to come with them with just legal issues. We can come with everything that burdens our heart, and he will help. This is helpful because it starts to give us a sense of purpose or direction or vision or hope or peace. These are the things that he gives us when we come to him, when we lay our burden at his feet. That's why it's so much better to have him in our life than have anything or anyone else. He's given us a roadmap of what this is all about and where it's headed. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 and 11, says this, And the disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. The disciples were given insight. In fact, there were a couple of times that Jesus actually pulled them aside, and they were like, "Uh, I didn't get what you were saying. He goes, Let me explain it. You guys have to get it. And so the disciples, with that insight, passed on the word of God. The church is built upon the foundation of the prophets, all the foreshadowing of Christ, and the apostles, those who walked with him about Christ. And those who believe, 
God will give understanding. God will give it. Others, though, they scratch their heads. They go, I don't get it. I don't understand. This makes no sense. And with contempt and disbelief, they mock even the scriptures, maybe what you believe. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, we read for us so that we can feel a little bit better that they're not getting it. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. They can't know. Hey, don't think it's you. It's not a matter of your brilliance or your ability to communicate. It's the Spirit of God that does this work. And if they're not serious, I'm not pulling on them. If they don't really acknowledge their need, I won't meet it. I will tend and I will prune, and I've chosen my friends. I know who they are. There's so much more to learn from today's edition of Building on the Solid Rock, so be sure to stay tuned for the next part of Pastor Troy's message. Building on the Solid Rock is the radio teaching ministry of Pastor Troy Neely of Calvary Chapel Solid Rock in San Antonio, Texas. If you're in the San Antonio area, we'd love to have you join us in person for our weekly services on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. for a time of worship and learning from the Word of God. You can also come by on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. for our in-depth Bible study. Learn more about the church and find directions at our website, buildingonthesolidrock.com. That website again is buildingonthesolidrock.com. We hope to see you there. Now, here's Pastor Troy with more of today's message. The truth in the Word of God in the Bible must be unlocked by the Holy Spirit of God. And Christ does that for his friends. If you read portions of the scriptures and say, I don't get it, that's okay. You don't need to then. Keep reading because there will be things that begin to pop out at you because the Lord's saying, now here's where you are. Here's where we are. And I want you to hear and listen. But you got to read it. It gives you the guidelines for life. It encourages you when you're discouraged. It lifts you up when you're feeling down. It is everything you need for life and godliness. If you think, well, I want this help. I want to understand. Here's what I would say to you. Just ask him. Just ask him. John 6, 37, Jesus says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Don't just say, I want to know. Don't just say, I want to be close. Don't just say, I want. Come to him. Trust in him. Those who just say it aren't necessarily friends. Those who come to him. So he saves you. He informs you. And this helps a lot. So Jesus picks his friends. He helps his friends. And finally, Jesus anticipates his friends. Verse 14 says this, you are my friends if you do whatever I command. Okay, there's something there. You're my friends and here's how I know it. Here's how it's known. Here's how it can be expressed. Jesus anticipates his friends. We've been talking about how great a friend Jesus is. What a friend we have in Jesus. Well, let me ask you a question. How good a friend are you back? No, it's all about Jesus. No, it's all about him. Nothing of me. No, no. Well, are you responding to his friendship? Are you responding to his love? You might ask, well, how can I be a good friend to Jesus? Verse 14, he tells us, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. It's very simple. And it's also very similar to another one. Jesus said, if you love me, 
You'll obey my commands. Don't say it. Don't get all sappy and mushy and, oh, just love you, Lord. No, no. If you love me, listen to what I'm saying and do that. That's love. The other is just emotion, hype. If you love me, listen. Do. Now, for many people, Christianity is about all the don'ts. Jesus anticipates. And that word, there's an understanding that there's going to be motion. Do. Do what I command. It's active. It's like, here's what you want me to do, so I'm going to act upon it. I'm going to do. But for so many, Christianity is about the don'ts. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. And so in the beginning, you know, when you come to Christ, there's a lot of don'ts. Because we're so entwined with the world, we have no time for the do's. So we got to start some of the don'ts. Don't spend all your time here. Don't spend all your money there. Don't be involved in that relationship. Don't, because I have nothing to do with. And so Saturday nights, I used to do a lot of my own things. So I couldn't do what God wanted me to do, which was be at church. And so I had to don't some things, okay? Don't go there anymore. Don't spend all night doing this. Don't, like, oh, it's all about don'ts. Yeah, that's because I'm such a mess. But trust me, Christianity's not about the don'ts. That's just freeing yourself, getting untangled from the world. No, Christianity, real Christianity goes beyond the don'ts and starts the do's. What does God want me to do? Now that I'm free, what does he want me to do? And that's why he says, you're my friend if you do what I command you. And he's not saying, you're my friend if you do my commandments. He's saying, you're a friend if you do what I command you to do. And if you read the whole Bible, especially the New Testament, he begins to share. It's a lot of heart work. It's a lot of inside work. So he uses a positive word to speak of actively doing, not do one thing, but do consistently as the habit and manner of your life what I want you to do. It's great to stop doing a bunch of things because we've put our faith in Christ, but you can't walk with Christ with the don'ts. You can't be his friend because you're not doing what you shouldn't do. You walk with him by working with him, by doing with him the things he wants you to do. And notice he says, you are my friends if you do whatever I command. That doesn't mean, well, I'll choose whatever I want. It means whatever I ask. If I ask you to do something contrary, if I ask you to do something outside of what you would see as important, if I ask you whatever I ask you, do that. That's what my friends do. So you can't say, well, I'll obey him in my business. I will be top notch, above reproach, all the tax papers. But as far as my home life goes, me and my wife, we've got our own arrangements. No, that's not how it rolls. No, no. You, in your marriage, you do it the way God wants you to do. It has to be submitted to him. The priorities have to come from him. The roles, everything comes from him. He's the one that decides, not you. So you do what he commands you. Or you say, well, I do in every area and every day, but when I'm on vacation, man, I want to enjoy myself. Well, the true friend of God enjoys himself because he belongs to the Lord. It's not like the Lord is some noose, you know, that keeps him strangled. And so I'm on vacation. Leave all that stuff behind. Party it up now. No, no, that's not what we do. A real friend, even on vacation, belongs to the Lord. 
and understands there could be opportunities to witness and share. And I'm, I'm a Christian wherever I go. That's a real friend. So, yes, he's a friend to you, but are you being a friend to him? If we're going to be a friend of Jesus, we cannot be a friend of the world. Just can't. Can't happen. James put it this way. James 4.4, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. See, if we're going to be considered a friend of Jesus, then we're going to follow him. We're going to spend time with him, and that is going to bring us together and gather together as a church using our gifts to help serve and support one another. You know why? Because we have no one else. God calls us to a body of believers to use our gifts to build and pour into that body because out there, they don't get us. They don't get it. Now, our friend is Jesus, all of us, each one of us. But the Lord also knows that there are times we need someone with skin on them. And he's brought us together. And that's why we read in verse 17, these things I command you, that you love one another. So everything committed to him, his way. And we have a great friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. He picks his friends, those who are able to get close to him. That's a privilege. He helps his friends. He saves you. He leads you. He gives you direction and insight. And he anticipates his friends. He knows that his friends are going to be friends. They trust him. They obey. They love him. They know his role versus theirs. It's not equal. But he's the Lord. King of kings. So let me ask you this. How is your relationship with the Lord? Are there things that may be getting in the way? Maybe there are some don'ts. Before you can do the do's, you got some don'ts to deal with. You can't be in those situations that are clearly opposed to the scriptures. Physical relationships that enjoy the luxuries of marriage without marriage. That's not from God. So there's a don't there. You can't do the do's because you got some don'ts. You need to work hard with your hands. You can't do that because you're too busy playing video games or staying up all night living off of someone else. And so you got to stop doing that so that you can start doing what God has given you to do. Be productive in society. And I say that, I could be stepping on toes in this culture because kids usually grow up and get out of the house about what, 40 And then they come back at what, 42? And live there the rest of their lives? Two years, I was was out there like the prodigal child. I'm back, I'm home again. Guys, it's God who blesses us. It's God who provides for us. And if we will stop doing a lot of the don'ts, we could live a full life with the do's. We could follow him. We got a friend in Jesus who will help us and guide us and be there for us and lift us up when we're down and provide for us when we are a little concerned, worried, or we don't feel provision is there. And he's doing all of this in us. Sometimes there's good provision, sometimes there's, there are challenges, but all this is because you are a work of art. He sees something in you that he's crafting, and it's good. The good things are good for you. The pain, it's good for you. 
And you won't give away, you won't crumble, because he won't let that happen. He's going to keep chiseling, though. He's going to keep working. And for us, that just means we don't know what we're going to be just yet, but we know that we can trust ourselves in his hands. And it's the best place to be. That's all we have time for today on Building on the Solid Rock. Next time, Pastor Troy Neely will teach again in the book of John as he goes verse by verse and chapter by chapter through this gospel book. If this series has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send us an email at info at buildingonthesolidrock.com. That's info at buildingonthesolidrock.com. We love to hear from our listeners about their experience with this ministry. Let us know if you have any questions about our radio program. In addition to hearing encouraging messages on the radio, it's important to be involved in a local church. If you live in or are visiting the San Antonio area, come visit Calvary Chapel Solid Rock. You'll find service times on our church website. Just follow the link from buildingonthesolidrock.com. If you're unable to be there in person, join us online. That's all for today. Be sure to tune in again for more from the book of John on Building on the Solid Rock. Let the light of Christ shine as we grow in Him. Come have your way in us. Come